Welcome to the Language for Leading podcast with the founder and CEO of the Business of Leading Incorporated, Julian Sturton. Since the early 1990s, Julian has equipped leaders from across the globe with an operating system and real-world set of tools that have improved relationships on all levels, and the work has meant real success in business and life for so many. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich, and as Julian Sturton often says, conversations are our means to get things done. Conversations inspire actions and form agreements. Until there's conversation, nothing happens. You've got the Language for Leading podcast, and we're about to make things happen. So, Julian, we've been discussing a variety of things, and words, as they say, is your business, (laughs) and my business, too. Let's talk about two important words, and we're starting to really develop a sense of of moral clarity here when we talk about responsibility and accountability. Let me back a little bit. One of the people I happen to call up out of the blue... Um, because you do was, that a lot, by I the way. I do a lot. Yeah. And I read books, and then I want to talk to the author. And I've done it with people uh, who's a D. Hawk, who is the chairman of MasterCard. I just call him out of the blue. <laughs> uh, and I happen to get through it a lot of the time. That's a talent. Know. That's a talent. I'm very proud of you. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I was reading a book about the end of time by a professor of physics at Oxford University. And don't ask me why I got this book. Sometimes I question... My Motive Bigger, but written by a professor of physics at the university. It just happened to be in the book. It's very clever because he tells you how to read the book. Not every book does that, so he's telling you how to read a book. But the, the content book isn't the important thing. It's on the back cover. I was reading these testimonials, and one of his testimonials was written by a guy called John Archibald Wheeler. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who he was anyway, right? But he wrote down his legacy, which is something about this book is really clever and then his legacy was how come existence so (laughs) pretty profound question yeah how come existence because the word existence was uh, showing up on my radar screen big time so was the word how so I rang him up and John Archibald got and I got to know each other quite well you see Um, the coping mechanism is how we cope the language of leading is how we're able to go beyond just knowing how to cope. So the language of is is way beyond the call of duty, right? But how is always interesting for me, rather than just why, what, and everything else. So how we engage, you know, how I pick up these glasses is that there's a constitutional interactive piece of machinery going on between my mind and my body. So the glasses didn't pick themselves up by accident. Mm-hmm. Right? There's an interaction going between my mind and my body. Same goes with Simone Biles. The great she, gymnast. Yeah. yeah, she trained herself uh, to put her body in circumstances that would also allow her mind to be in some kind of interactive relationship. Is when she was pushing her body... And her mind was literally saying, we don't know where you are. Yes, exactly. And she actually said that. Mm-hmm. So that's a similar way. But when, I, when these glasses don't know how to pick themselves up, and if I didn't have a mind, yes, my body could not. So they're now discovering that the mindfulness is actually 
built within all, which is why Candice Pert wrote the book Molecules of Emotion, which makes a lot of sense now. Mm -hmm. They're discovering that the brain has an interactive, neurologically based, which is what Candice talked about, which is an on and off switch, right? She referred to it as ligands and receptors. So she proved uh, biochemically, right? And this is what interested me and why the lounge of leading. I've been saying this, I said it again to Tony, that the lounge of leading, uh, by the way and how it functions interactively between the mind, body, and circumstances around us, right? Because as far as I can tell, that's the whole game show. Our mind, our body, and our interrelated circumstances. That covers just about everything. Yeah. It does, doesn't it? So when I got to know John Archibald Wheeler, yeah, um, he was excited about the lounge of leading. And I never got to meet him. And you know whose job he took over? I think I've said this to you. Who? Uh, Albert Einstein. Oh, yes, uh, at Princeton? Yeah, he okay. worked with Albert. I didn't notice until I got to know him. <laughs> and so one of the interesting things about Einstein that he wasn't popularly known for was he, he denigrated the idea that the belief system was the most dysfunctional, corrupt feature of all human conditions, which is why he got hijacked by uh, Joe McCarthy, because they were suspicious of him, right, in the first place. I mean, Joe McCarthy was suspicious of everybody. Anybody who talked with an accent. Exactly. <laughs> Certainly. So I heard this is through uh, because I have had trouble finding out in his own because I read a lot of, of papers that Einstein had written in his latter years. And it was reinforced by my relationship with John Archibald Wheeler that Einstein denigrated the whole concept of belief systems. And he was hauled before Joe McCarthy because they were trying to prove that what he was de declaring was uh, religious beliefs. And he said, no, 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 I'm talking about the whole function of belief systems. You know, I don't, my glasses, I don't have to believe that I can pick up my glasses. I don't have to believe that I'm here. Mm. There's a constitutional arrangement that's taking place at every single moment. In fact, a constitutional frame of reference defines and distinguishes everything, which is why I shared with you that entomological distinction. It's the very fundamental basic principles upon which all laws are based. It's amazing. Well, and you say all laws, and I'm thinking of Einstein, and there's natural law that exactly. can't be debated. Exactly. I mean, it's, it is what it is. And I love to hear people talk about and they constitute their job. You know, I hear it fairly frequently now. Mm. You know, what constitutes these spectacles is, in fact, a relative way of describing everything for which the structure of existence allows for the existence of these spectacles. Does that make sense? Well, you're talking about the definition of matter and... Uh, everything. Energy and all the things that Einstein did in his famous theory. It's, it is everything. Right. We're in the midst of everything right now, and exactly. we're, we're not focusing on it as intently as 
as we might, but it's automatic, automatic yeah. systems. And so there are universal laws. So, universal laws, yeah. So when John Archibald Wheeler shared with me, and I shared with him, because I decided many, many years ago to call that triangle the structure of existence. In fact, it's copywritten in Washington, D.C. And he said, now I can pass on something of that order. And then he died within two weeks. I don't know whether his job was to create as a messenger. I used to sometimes have a call from him because he deteriorated with Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. But we don't understand Alzheimer's, right? And so we understand what it is, where it came from, or where it's going. We've got no fucking clue. Mm. I don't care what anybody's saying. You know, scientists are at odds with so many things these days. Yes, they are. They really are. And I think it's a good thing that the virus is, because now we're questioning mm-hmm. our whole scientific uh, condition. Illnesses. So where does accountability and responsibility yeah, so, come yeah, into play? So, uh, I was I was questioning because I kept hearing over and over again people reciting uh, responsibility and then questioning when I was listening to politicians or the lack thereof when it talks to accountability because I think they're very, very, very decisive. But the words themselves are decisive because you have to look at the terms that rides on those two words. Unfortunately, we got the two collapsed. Well, we're looking right now as we record this at what most people would agree is a horrible policy in in getting out of Afghanistan. And the current leader of the free world is not taking responsibility for much, if anything. Right, because what what have we usually done when we hear someone say he was responsible? What are we doing? We're blaming someone else. Thank you. And that's why we can't accept that the term responsibility is rather like what Aristotle called the ability to respond, the ability for responding. Oftentimes, too, there are empty words in public. Yeah. I take full responsibility. Well, what does that really mean? Most of us just hear it and know that it's, it's blather, blather. Well, take the word response. Mm-hmm. What does that signal? What is a response? It suggests an answer, a, a, a message back. Or a stimulus. Stimulus, yeah. It's a good way of describing it. It's a stimulus of something. There's a response, right? Mm. If I pick up these glasses, uh, Julian, by virtue of this, in relationship to these, there's a response because I know how to pick up the glasses, how do I know how to pick up the glasses? You've got a m- brain and a nervous system, and you have a desire to move in a certain direction and make something happen, and it happens. Right. You, you don't think about it. It's automatic. Exactly. It's automatic. almost automatic. It's almost instinctive. Yeah. But if you questioned the emotional, mechanical... Uh, interaction. Mm-hmm. It's not just action and react, but there's an interaction that's going on between me, this, this, and this. Pointing to his head, heart, and glasses. Right. And therefore, if I'm taking responsibility for my eyesight or the lack thereof, yes, it's not because. I'm going to blame the optician because he wrote the wrong prescription for my lenses. 
So we automatically get into this blame, deny, affect, yes. disempower condition when the ego, which has been around for forever, forever, <laughs> is not going to negotiate. It will argue when I'm blaming someone other than my ability to respond and be responsible for my eyesight. And now you're talking. This is what we do in life. This is what we do in life. There was an old radio show. I don't know if you're familiar with it called the Bickersons, and all they would do is bicker, bicker, bicker. <laughs> and it's a it's a trope for sitcoms and so forth. Maybe in Britain and here too, but it's never really allowing yourself to think maybe I'm responsible here <laughs> instead of blaming everybody on for Remember everything. Remember that, sir, said as you and as everything else. Yeah, exactly. I once had the head of Metro North Railroad sit in my office about 14 years ago, and I was trying to communicate by asking him, just stand up for a minute. And then I said, look, just turn around. Notice what's going on. And he was a bit thick in the head. <laughs> Probably okay. wouldn't be the cover. And I said, notice there's you and there's everything else going on around you. Right? Your ability to respond is based upon how you actually see things. Everything is going on around you for which you're able to respond. See, we're so hardwired, we can't communicate outside of the axiom, which in fact allow us because we are hardwired to see anything other than the ego, which is blame, deny, affect, mm. yeah. and uh, uh, the disempower. D disempower, which again, the the polars of the other four yeah. that we talk about, and the 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 the, the accountability. Is so, what, what is it you're responsible for? How do you know? How do I know? That those how glasses the, that you're picking up yeah, are how necessary. How do I know how to pick them up? How do you know how to pick them up? What, why, who? You're pointing to the, count, to the triangle. Yes, there's a structure of existence, yes. which is why it's called structure of existence. Right. I have to know in relation to glasses, what's the purpose? What's the purpose? of spectacles in relationship, my ability to respond to every part that constitutes my eyesight. So I'm going to raise this as part of our discussion here. This is, so much of what we're talking about is learning a new way to live through your, through the world and, and to adjust to the world. Yeah, not getting screwed by people's addiction to their background conversation, which we've got into this and, fucking and blame game. one of the things that we're asking people to do and you're asking me to do is to inquire, to be curious, whether you look it up yourself or go deep or or call the head of lens crafters, I'll use a local optician. In other words, don't just sit there and start blaming people and yourself. Right, exactly. Do the research. Because you're only blaming yourself anyway. Do the work. That's the power do of the, the ego. And accountability means what in that context? Yeah, and it's, it's distinct from responsibility. So you've yes. got two railroad tracks. One is you've got responsibility mm -hmm. that's delivering this side, 
but it's parallel with accountability. If you say the word and break it up a bit, you'll you'll see what it means. It's it's far more simple than responsibility. Account, account. What do we count? Uh, a measure. Yeah, a measure. Measure what? Measure what? Bottom end of the triangle, right hand side. Yeah, we measure what? We measure the reality. We measure things by what's happening, so that we're able to accumulate some of the understanding of particular results themselves. You see, you weren't born, your mother never sat on your, sat you on her knee and said, look, John, I'm going to talk to you about results. No. Never happened. Never. Upbringing is a process. So let me just see if I got this right. Accountability in this case is not about being available and always doing the right thing and being the golden boy. It's really more about how we understand the physical and... Yeah, remember the stand is now here. Mm -hmm. Understand. Understand. I love it. Makes a lot of sense. We we understand. We understand who we are by virtue of these two railroad tracks. So you've taken those two words, responsibility and accountability, and given them a new... Well, put them on new railroad tracks. Because most people think... Oh, you've got to be responsible. That you've got to take, take the lead and stand up and take your beating and do yeah. whatever. But it's really res- learning how to respond and learning exactly. how to account for what's around. See, this around. is the how machinery. The how machinery, and we all know what how comes from. There's another word. Why and what? The, the, That's who. I'm sorry. Go ahead. There's another word that surrounds this, which is a big word. And it's, it's being troubled by just about everything on the planet. You and I talked about tolerance and patience, didn't we? Yes. Uh, we tolerate for the lack of responsibility. We, we tolerate our relationship with circumstance, right? And it's a physical condition. Mm-hmm. I think I shared with you the example when I was walking around Manhattan and I walk up to someone who's standing in a doorway and I say to look, do you know that about seven inches from your left ear is a sign that says do not smoke. <laughs> so we, we tolerate a lack of agreement between ourselves and the physical world, which is why then we have no patience. Tolerance and the lack thereof is a physical feature. Patience is an emotional condition. They're both human conditions, but they're both offset by our inability to understand how we are responsible and accountable. If the Afghan people were not in full agreement, not partly in agreement, but in full agreement as a society with the Western world, they're going to go to war with us, which is what blew my mind when I watched the documentary last night about Sukihara, the Japanese doctor, and why speaking into the listening, sorry, interacting based upon our relationship so we could speak into the listening. Yes. Mm. These were farmers, and you'll see it in the documentary, who just, they were laughing. They were so moved by the fact that, that I got my wife, and they showed you the, the desert 
before he did the work, after he built that canal, it put the country back to work because they were seeing so many real life, it's barely saying metaphors. They were able to have fun and be a society that didn't need to go to war. People go but, to war when they don't have basic resources. And that's a great example of a kind of leadership that doesn't require a tank, a gun, or a, a missile. It requires a little bit of ingenuity and a thinking out of the box. So there's the word agreement. There's another word that goes with that. It's a bit like the packaging of language. I've often people say, well, everything's a function of agreement, but nobody understands what they're saying. If I said to you, everything's an agreement, and I said to you, everything's a function of agreement, what am I meaning? Well, I think... What's the word function? Use. Yeah, but how does it exist? Um, I'll show you, I'm going to show you a mind-blowing story in a moment. Okay, I'll take the mind-blowing story right now. All right. I'm driving <laughs> along with my kids. This is about 17 years ago. Have you been to the Grand Canyon? Not yet. It's okay. one of my bucket lists. This is to do with my own experience, by the way. I'm driving along to get to the South Rim, and you go through the park, and we're driving along. We must have been driving along for about two hours. There's no Grand Canyon. All we're seeing is tumbleweeds. We paid our tolls to go in. The kids are getting fed up. So when are we going to get there? I'm bored. And um, I thought, oh, heck, no Grand Where's the fucking Grand Canyon? <laughs> Hard to miss, you would think. <laughs> so we're driving, and I suddenly see these people standing by the roadside. I thought, good, anyone want to go to the bathroom? Because I think there's probably a bathroom. There's a lot of people standing around. So we got out of the car, parked the car, I walked, I walked towards these people. Then my life changed. Oh. Because when I got out of the car, I walked to where these people were. I walked a few yards further, and that's the Grand Canyon. There are no signs. There's no pictures, no posters, no buildings, nothing. It's just. And I sat next to this guy from India, and I looked at him. I looked at him. Here's why. Because I've been all over the world. I've studied all the different fascinating features. There is nothing to compare to the Grand Canyon. So here's what the functionality is. This is what the brain does as soon as it starts to gestate. It does three things, which is why the word function of agreement is pretty important. Because it's it comes with the word, what did you say? Uh, use. Use. Use is how we engaged, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The use of a bicycle is how the bicycle... How the bicycle got there. Yeah. The, okay. These glasses are put to use, so mm -hmm. there's a functionality, the mm -hmm. function. So I looked at this a, a couple of years ago, the word function, and why it's got to do with the Grand Canyon. Um, as soon as we start to develop the brain, right, there are three things that the brain is occupied with and the, and the how-to called the functionality of the brain, is doing three things to make cognitive sense. Right? And so I got back to the Grand Canyon. Sorry, I got back to the Grand Canyon because I realized there was, there was nothing to compare because my brain was working overtime. It was like compare, compare, compare to Grand Canyon. There's nothing to compare. It, what allowed me to compare because I had nothing to compare it with. In fact, I didn't think of comparing it to the Grand Canyon, because if you go to the Grand Canyon, you've never been around the world, 
you're automatically going to compare. You don't know you're comparing it. The brain is doing it. Okay. It's doing it involuntarily. It's like automatic pilot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's compare, compare, compare. compare. It's nothing to compare with. Don't compare. Okay. Oh, compare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that before. No, I haven't seen that before. It's doing this yes, no, yes, no, yes. Inner it's dialogue. Doing, it's, it's, doing a, it's doing its alternation. It's doing background, foreground conversation yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It wasn't until I got into the subway in New York I realized this is what the, the, the other two parts after we compare, we compare, we compare. And I watched these people get off the subway, uh, off the metro north train, and it suddenly hit me. These are the other two parts. Everything comes in threes. And so the other two parts was uh, I'm watching people behave. Always watching people, you see. And I noticed that how did they know how to get through the door? How did they know how to go to work? I'm <laughs> sure they've compared themselves because they've written a, a CV and a resume. I compare, well, I'm because I got qualifications, I got PhDs, and I know. So I'm, there's no comparison to me. We kind of got, we sort of got that figured out. Right, and we go for interviews, and when we're getting off a job, we go to work. You know, you're not naturally on automatic to compare. Well, I'll go into this building today. No, we get into habits. Habits, yeah. Right, right. Comparison sort of allows us to figure out habits. Mm-hmm. But it's the two other pieces that kind of interested me with this word function. And the other two words are choose. Uh, I choose to smoke. I choose not to have a vaccination. I choose to go to work. I choose to enjoy. Mm-hmm. I choose to be happy. I choose to be married. That's the second part. The third part is where it gets interesting. Except, So the brain, from the moment it's born, is engaged in three things. Compare, choose, accept. Compare, choose, accept. Compare, choose, accept. It's doing nothing else. It's able to make cognitive sense as to how these are glasses. This is not a hamburger from McDonald's Hmm. because it's the learning process that goes on and on and on and on. It's when it gets confronted by things that don't fit the background conversation, then we have difficulty. But understanding... What's going on is the first step to absolutely moving forward through the difficulty. Yeah, this formulates the core of what I call a function of agreement. A constitution is based upon how this country functions agreeably. Excellent. Compare, choose, accept. Compare, choose, accept. Compare, choose, accept. Because look what we did after the Second World War. We, we made built, friends with Japan. We built them back up again. We built them back up. The Marshall Plan with Europe. Yeah. The aliens, whoever's looking at us, and I'm very clear that we're being watched right now, they must be thinking, they're thinking, what are they doing down there? Or we are some form of intergalactic scientific experiment. The conversation continues on the Language for Leading podcast with Julian Sturt, available on all podcast platforms. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review the show, and tell your friends and colleagues about it. The Language for Leading podcast impactful conversation about fundamental principles that will grow your business and change your life for the better.